I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Twelve Pack Radio. Get excited, y'all. Welcome back, beautiful people, to Twelve Pack Radio, the most interesting podcast in your face covering Pac-12 football news, Pac-12 basketball news, sometimes when we really want to, and Pac-12 football news. This is Brian Conger, the host of Twelve Pack Radio and Wildcat Radio. Thanks for tuning in. We are in the midst of our 12-part series. We're going deep dives into every single Pac-12 team doing our full previews. We just did uh, our preview of USC with Alicia De Artola, um, and we did a preview of Arizona with the Arizona Stars' Michael Lev, and we were supposed to do a podcast today about the Washington Huskies with our friends at the Dog Pod, but uh, a, f- a few mishaps, few mishaps, but we're going to record a podcast for you just because that's how dedicated we are to the Conference of Champions. And in order to do that, I am joined, as always, by the 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 Pumba, the the Dalai Lama of status of statisticians. I guess you can be of all the statisticians, Mister Rob Bowron, the uh, producer of the Beta Ranked Advanced College Football Statistical Model. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm I'm pleased as punch to be here. I was uh, I was all set to talk Washington, but instead we will uh, we will cover off some other items as we roll into the season. A lot of not returning production on that Washington <laughs> team. <laughs> which which I've I had a lot of conversations about this recently. yeah me, me too I, we have a, we have a decent number of washington fans which is great and um and i do think that they have reason to be optimistic we'll talk about this next week so stay tuned for next week um because they have just been recruiting like gangbusters on the particularly on the defensive side so that secondary will be quite fun to watch we had just talked about usc secondary being a fascinating unit i think washington's secondary is going to be a fascinating unit with some, some experience and some really really high level players that have entered the program, but that is neither here nor there. Rob, we have been talking a lot about the beta rank uh, advanced statistical model. And one of the things we just launched our, our new website, which is called smart college football, sharp, sharp college football. We're also smart. <laughs> it's like you are going to be sending someone, to this, people to a, not our website, a naughty site and very naughty site. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we are at sharp college football.com and Rob, you have your own So we have a couple new Twitter handles. You can follow us at 12 pack radio, one, two PAC radio. And then, and Rob, you have two that we probably should talk about now, and then we'll get into what this statistical model is and where we are on the offensive side of the ball in regards to the entire Pac-12. Yeah, so I'm at beta uh, rank football, uh, beta underscore rank dot FB, um, or uh, then underscore FB, sorry. And not, then, so, uh, not so easy, is it? <laughs> Repeating I know, things I thought I had it look down. <laughs> oh. um, but then I'm also at sharp underscore CFB. So um, you, can, you can find... You can you can find me at either of those and ask questions if you have anything. If you would like to throw shade at the model, um, I often get folks. We are we are definitely at the part of the season where fans are uh, 
all of your team's problems are uh, not really problems. They're like those those interview questions where someone you're asked to describe, you know, what your weaknesses are, and you turn them into strengths. Um, and all of your opponents' problems, of course, are like insurmountable. They'll never find a way out of this, you know, quicksand. Um, <laughs> which it's that time of preseason, I suppose. Um, yeah, so you can you can find me at either of those, and uh, we we I spend a fair amount of time, uh, you know, talking about college football and, and and beta rank on those. So let's let's get into what is beta rank, Rob. We're going to cite this a lot on the podcast, and frankly, like when when you were posting your numbers on a different site. They grabbed my attention and I was kind of going through them and they were just more detailed than a lot of the like spreadsheets that sometimes you'll see on other uh, Twitter handles in terms of event statistics. And those spreadsheets can be good and they can give context. And so I'm not poo-pooing those, but I I always think that yours had um, a lot more depth to to them, particularly when you're first diving in. And one of the things that we wanted to talk about today, because you're getting so many questions about what does the model say about this? Why does the model not uh, you know, account for this? And I just think it's kind of good to put it out there so people can get a good understanding of what is the beta rank uh, advanced statistical model? Like what makes it unique and, and what, how do we use this? Because it was really, really helpful for us last year in, in regards of getting some context and what teams were good and what they were good at and what they were weak at. And um, it just, I found it to be one of the most helpful tools that I've had at looking at the Pac-12 because we're already kind of marinated in the conference. So it just adds another layer of information that um, kind of dovetailed with our knowledge already. Yeah. I mean, so I'll do um, like very briefly um, my background. I did my graduate work in economics. I work as a data science professionally. Um, I've you know, worked at some fairly big companies. If you went and looked at my LinkedIn um, that have employed me doing math for them. Sort of one day I was I was flipping through um, I was flipping through the FBI and I was on ESPN and I was like, well, this is nonsense. <laughs> it just didn't it didn't match up with what I thought I saw sort of like as someone that watched a lot of college football. And at that moment I thought to myself, you know, I do this for a living. I should just mess around and see if I could do this. Um, so I, uh, I I tracked down the folks uh, at Sports Source Analytics. Um, if you are looking for college football data uh, to be regularly set up so that you can access it, um, they have drive and play level data available. Um, and I ended up building up beta rank on the drive level data. So uh, what I suppose you could say sort of differentiates beta rank from other models out there is that beta ranks a full on like from the get-go built as a series of interlocking models. I don't have, and I, I know some other folks do this, they find they find metrics that they like that are sort of raw metrics that they find predictive, and some raw metrics sort of are predictive, like yards per play, that kind of thing. But I beta rank in all of those models, and there are a couple of models that sort of they're that work together um, and they all feed into a points model. So the, the basically like no matter what you do in in in, in college football, it has to lead back to you somehow putting points on the board. Uh, and that's true in beta rank. Like, a, you know, whether you're putting up yards per play, whether you're putting up explosive drives, which, are, you know, you're putting up a lot of yards per play um, or you're, you know, avoiding negative drives, three and outs um, or turnovers. Um, there, there's also a drive efficiency metric, which basically says, like, controlling for starting field position opponent and all those other things 
did you manage to put up points? And I'll, I'll use like a baseball analogy here. Like on, on base percentage is a statistics that's far more informative than say like batting average, right? But you still need to get to, if you were trying to predict team outcomes, you need to figure out like whether the team, if that, that guy gets on base, are the guys following him likely to knock him in or not? It's sort of an interlocking thing. Like you'll find models out there like S&P Plus. S&P Plus is more of a yards-based model. There's the FEI, which is also a drive and points-based model. It's a little less complex. I don't really want to like crap all over anybody's math or anything like that, but then what we do in beta rank. Um, you'll always get an offensive score and a defensive score. You'll get a special team score. Uh, I guess some other things. I do garbage time a little differently than other people do. I don't. Fi- I find that the way that they do garbage time actually makes the model fit worse and leads to. I grade out the model on two things. I grade out the model on um, predicting winners and losers, um, and Beta Rank predicts eighty percent, roughly. I mean, just shy of eighty percent of college football games correct, um, and then on spread against the spread. So. Um, the, the main I mean, those things don't always necessarily work together. Um, and a lot of uh, a lot of the changes in, in beta rank are, are more geared towards picking winners correctly, because those are the games that are often, you know, more finely, you know, between one, you know, um, a little shift here or there in beta rank um, can, you know, make one team the, the favorite and versus not. So in beta rank. Both S&P and FPI include preseason data all the way through the end of the season now. Um, BetaRank doesn't need it. Uh, I say that sort of like a bragging thing. I suppose it is. Like I tried seeing if I could boost the fit by including the preseason stuff all the way through to the end. It's It ceases to be predict- predictive, more predictive than the actual model by about week six. So it gets dropped to week six. Um but the, the preseason stuff is built off of uh, Bill Connolly does a tremendous job with returning production. Um, and he has it by overall for the team as well as for the individual offensive and defensive units. Um, I find that very predictive. It's more useful than returning starters or returning uh, snaps. Um, I use two-year averaged recruiting rankings. And that's not rankings in the way that like – 24 seven arrivals do it. It's purely, I mean, I am using rivals, but it is purely a average star per player, um, which is more predictive than, I don't know why. <laughs> I honestly say it like I say this, I've been doing this long enough. I have no idea why rivals and 24 seven, and maybe there's another one do their rankings the way they do them. The actually most predictive, most related to winning football games is a straight up, what was the average rank of each player <laughs> metric for each team? And that's actually not quite what you get in the team rankings, but I use the, just the pure, you know, points per player um, metric from rivals. Uh, and then I also use, uh, what was your beta rank the prior year? And I'm basically trying to predict like at the end of the year, where do I think you'll be? I think it just and works, I, right? Oh, like that's probably a good way. Yeah. <laughs> just and another just way to ri- write it. it for a little bit, see if you like it. But I, I do think that it, it's been super helpful. And another way to describe some of the things that are, is different than beta rank and beta rank is that beta rank has a heavy opponent adjustment. So like S&P plus, I think overrates group of five defenses because it does not weight them against the weakness of their opponents appropriately. And Bill Connolly has go back, gone back and tried to fix this um, and, and put in more opponent adjustment of late. Um, I still think it's short of where it maybe needs to be. 
Um, but it's uh, Beta Rank will not will not tell you that like Wyoming has a top 10 defense or something like that. Now, now Beta Rank will tell you Wyoming has like a top 30 defense, which is darn good for the group of five. But it's it's not going to spit out like Wyoming's got a number eight defense in the country. Where was Fresno State last year? Because I think that defense was like super. Legit. That defense was legit. And in Beta Rank, I think Beta Rank had him at 16. Okay. Um, which is very good. I mean, again, yeah. like, I mean, I, like group of five is, is, uh, and I, that's probably better thing, than your school. I mean, like that's, <laughs> that's yeah, kind of no, how you I, put it, right? If, top right, 15. Like, I mean, if you're in the top, of, I mean, like, if you're, if you're a power five team and this is sort of like shorthand that I often do this and I'm sure like our regular listeners, like, you know, you should be, if you're a power five, like you need to be grading yourself like on a one to 65 scale. Because the the amount of resources your team has versus I don't know like like even Boise State is immense. <laughs> so you you should have a better defense than Fresno State, and the fact that Fresno State is like kicking your butt at something um, should be embarrassing, I guess. Or you know you should work harder, hold your coach hold your coaches accountable. <laughs> well, let's get into the offensive ratings this this fine evening. Because offense is more fun. I actually like watch, watching defenses, but, but like I think offense is more fun to kind of get a good feel for where these teams are. Let's do like I'm assuming that there's probably some sort of drop off. So I just arbitrarily said top three. But do you see like some tiers? You know, oh, like these these teams are pretty close. These teams because yeah. one of the things that's interesting that you had pointed out to me two years ago is that like sometimes the difference between ten and thirty isn't that much. It just, I mean, it depends on like the metrics and what you're looking at, but when there's so many teams that that could actually be a really small difference or it can be a really big difference depending on where those drop-offs are. Yeah, it's true. I mean, there's a lot of bunching sort of, um, and this is, I mean, this is true of just like most distributions that you would work with, right? Like there's, you know, the, as you get further out into the edges, like the difference between one and two, like the difference between Oklahoma's offense and say, like Washington State's offense, even though they're both quite good, like is big, is almost is actually bigger than the difference between Washington State's offense and like Utah's offense last year. That's amazing. <laughs> like Lincoln Riley is a wizard. Um, and for like the the kind of splits, I would say as we come into this season, I mean, there's there's a couple of big ones. Like USC comes in projected at number eleven. A lot. I mean, USC returns a decent amount of productions off last year's team um, on offense, and then they they USC of course um, it comes at number five in recruiting overall. That's pretty darn good. So I I don't know that like again like this is where I say and that's a, two year recruiting average, right? That which would make sense. Yeah, that's two this, year. This last year, not not that great. <laughs> in twenty eighteen, I mean, awesome, like ridiculously awesome. Yes. Um, but those 2018 players are like going to be coming in this season yeah, like yeah, and, exactly. and playing a lot more. Um, and then you, but USC on offense last season was terrible. Um, so that knocks them back a bit, I suppose. I mean, they, I think they, I had them graded out and they like at 84 last season overall on offense, but that's not good. So USC is projected to make a huge jump. Most of that is predicated on their overall talent level, you know, recruiting, um, I might, this is one that I might say like Graham Harrell and company have to prove it to me. You know, I would probably like manually adjust this one down in my head. Right. Like, and that's fair. Like I, that, again, like these are, these are good starting place for conversations. Um, Washington comes in at number 14. Um, Washington's picked it up a bit recruiting lately. Uh, 
they Washington was also not great. They came in at 49 last season on offense. Um, but, you know, Washington returns a decent amount of production on offense this season. Um, like I said, like they've recruited pretty well. They're expected to bounce. The model really expects them to bounce back, um, you know, closer to maybe where they were like before Jonathan Smith left. I, with a new play, you know, a new, I, I'm going to, I'm going to get myself in trouble here. I'm going to be like, the math's crap. Cause like, I just keep saying like, maybe this, maybe that. I mean, Washington with a new quarterback in there, even with all the other returning production they have. Um, I, I mean, I, I think they could maybe end up there at the end of the season. I might, my, my guess is they're probably closer in the twenties um, this season, but that'd be good. That'd yeah, be an improvement still pretty for them. Good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, then comes Oregon at 19. Man, Oregon brings back a lot. <laughs> wait, wait. I, I just want to go back to Washington for a second. Another, yeah. I think another area, you mentioned them really picking it up on recruiting, and I certainly love like what they've done on the defensive end. I think one of the sneaky things was they hadn't been recruiting super well at the wide receiving position, and that, that yeah. stopped last year. Last year, and I think this year too, I have to go back, and I haven't actually looked at their 2019 or the 2020 class right now, but got they got some decent talent finally which will be really yeah. exciting to see who Easton can throw to because you have a lot of returning talent like you mentioned but some of those guys that didn't see the field last year were four star like very high highly rated high pedigree guys that are going to be pushing for playing time so that's another fascinating area to watch we'll talk about that more next week but just want to throw that yeah. out there no i mean and they've got some i mean it's not like they've got some good good solid you know, recruits competing for that, you know, everybody's assuming Easton's going to start. It hasn't been announced yet. Hayner has apparently played reasonably well. Um, I mean, I have some questions at outside wide receiver. They really haven't had anybody step up since Pettis and Ross were there, but you know, if they can get some answers, like, I mean, this Washington team, like this is kind of a bit of a rebuilding there for a year for them with um, Browning moving on and, you know, ranking where they do on so little, you know, returning production on the defense, but man, like, those, you know, the Washington can be set up for next season. And the way that sort of like we were talking about Utah last year, like Utah was a year early last year. This is the year that maybe Utah, you know, put some things together. Like Washington, like Utah has like put some things together, like maybe when the Pac-12 be like a super dark horse playoff candidate, Washington could be a flat out playoff candidate next season. Yeah. It's always good. Yeah. Okay, we got to get back there, man. <laughs> Somebody's got to get back please, there. Please, <laughs> please. Like That's the one thing, you, like, we, we get these. You don't want... You, well, you don't want you and I, who are two inherently mildly cynical people, stuck talking about two or three lost teams playing for the Pac-12 title. I know. That, <laughs> like, that was the thing that drives me nuts. Like, it's like, you just don't want us. You, like, you give us something to be sunny about, please. There was, there's one person that's like, you guys are so negative on USC. Like, yeah, they went like five and seven last year. Like, I'm sorry. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. But like, I think the difference though is Rob, like we want USC to be good. That That's the thing that that's what t- makes me tear my hair out. I want Washington to be a playoff caliber team. I want USC to be, be a playoff caliber team because they have the, you know, USC certainly has the recruiting base and the history and Washington flat out has the coaching talent now and they're getting those right. players. So I think that's why sometimes I think we're more frustrated with some of the teams that are better inherently better than most of the teams in the pac 12, but it's just like one or two mistakes and a couple games and maybe bad play calling in a game. Like that's the stuff that drives me nuts. So, uh, anyway. yeah. uh, so, so we have, we said Washington was at 14 or 20, 14, 14, 14. Okay. And then Oregon's oh, at yeah. 19 and I mean, Oregon, 
again, like it's a team that maybe you have some questions about. Like they finished at number sixty in the, uh, offensively last season, um, but they return a ton of production. Oregon has, I mean. Mario Cristobal learned well from his time uh, under Nick Saban. He's he's hired a bunch of ace recruiters, and Oregon's really been crushing it for the Pac-12 on the on the recruiting trail of late. Um, but yeah, you I mean you like the you like what they bring back on the offensive line. Um, you know, I, I still want Justin Herbert to take a step forward before I uh, crown him. <laughs> That's <laughs> the next great Pac-12 QB, uh, I suppose. But uh, and they've got some good running back talent. I think the question here is I mean, they, they're sort of everybody's saying like, oh, there's these young wide receivers. We haven't really seen anything out of them yet. And Jawan Johnson is the Penn State transfer, you know, that can maybe play an outside wide receiver. He he got buried um, with a bad year last year and he wasn't going to see the, the field much in Happy Valley. So. I don't know. I mean, like, I, like all these teams, all of these teams, even at the top this year at the Pac-12 have questions. So, um, or I mean, Oregon, you know, like I, I could see them being there. Like they, they return a ton of starts on the offensive line. Um, yeah, I don't know. They're, but you could also talk me. You could also talk me into like, oh, they have all these fabulous parts, but. Do they play well together on the field? <laughs> well, well, taking it aside, I mean, one of these things is not like the other. One of these is not, not quite yeah. the same. Uh, USC's line could be a mess, but they're young. And we talked about, the, about right. this with Alicia. Uh, I think the difference, though, is Oregon's line and Washington's line are going to be stacked. How yeah. like how does Baderink take in the offensive line into the model? So I take in the offensive line through their returning production. Um, but, like, there's things that, I mean, like, I pick up. I mean, if you have bad line play, like say USC the last couple of years, like it's going to show up. Like you can't, like you can hide it somewhat. You could argue that Sam Darnold in his last year dealt with some pretty inferior line play, you know, then it started sort of then with the Trojans. Um, but that started to show up like that, that USC offense, even though they won the, won the Pac-12, didn't grade out in the top 20 in beta rank. Um you know, it's going to pick it up in things like drive efficiency. You're going to have more three and outs. You're going to have more turnovers like the, you know, the, you can't, you can't hide that stuff. And it'll eventually show up in like effective rush, like say Stanford's offensive line last season, where like, you know, you, you're, you're ranked at number 112 or something like that in effective rush. And you have Bryce Love on your team. Like, come on. That totally makes sense. Um, okay. So where's, where's so, the, where's the next grouping of teams? So we've got another, like, and this is a big group. So we have, and we'll run through them um, kind of right in a row. So we have Utah at 29, um, which exciting Utah fans. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> um, Zach Moss is going to be such a beast this year. I'm so excited. I, I thought he went to the NFL. Like, I have, I totally didn't realize he was coming back. And some, you know, we're doing our research. Oh, Zach Moss is back. That's great. That's great. Um, yeah. Another Zach year Moss under Huntley. Okay. okay. Yeah. Zach Moss is, he is here to hit you head on. Like, <laughs> I do loves contact. Um, yeah, and I, I like the Utes offensive line. I mean, we it's the same. You you always have the same question. We always have the same question yeah. about Utah. Um, well, same two questions. Let's put it that way. One is a little bit of the quarterback play, and the other one is an outside wide receiver. And those two might be quite related. Um, but especially with you know, since Britton Covey's back from his mission, like I, I, I'm fine with where they are at slot. 
Um, I was going to say, if, if that was the end of the sentence, I'm fine at where they are. Like, I was going to push back. No, no, hard. I mean, just like, a slot, but. <laughs> if Britton well, Covey is your best wide receiver and he's, who's a monster and he had 690 yards, then you're not slinging the ball yeah. around really. So, but, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that like that X and Y, like the, the, especially the X, like I love the big Y's, you know, like that's just fun. That's yeah. just more my personality. But if they can get a guy that can really just shove some people around and catch some long balls, that would be a big leap forward. And I like, um, I will go out. I disagree with one of our, uh, one of our compatriots, one of the excellent folks around the PAC 12 hip day. Um, I like Andy Ludwig's offense. I think he, he put some together, some very good offenses at Vanderbilt. That's not the easiest thing to do. Um, yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I could see Utah actually living up to this projection, which would be great because their defense will probably be very, very good again <laughs> um, under Scaly. So, yeah, I mean, this, this everything's been sort of building up for a little bit, like the Utes, like projection, like uh, returning production wise, like this was going to be the year that they they maybe sort of put it together and broke through. And um, I'm, I'm really excited and interested in this Utah offense because normally their projections are, you know, somewhere in like the 40s or 50s and. Um, you know, you're, you're sort of looking at it and you're like, yeah, that's probably about right. But this season, like they've, they've got, they, they, they've got a little more to, to, to work with. Nice. You're early guys. Uh, welcome to the party last year. That was awesome. That was really, that, that was. was that, although the championship game was a total mess, but it was, it was a defensive struggle, Rob, a defensive struggle. <laughs> I mean, it was like, a it was replay. also an offensive struggle, but you know, also a defensive struggle. <laughs> it was, I mean, it was a little bit of like that game that in Salt Lake against Washington where like neither neither quarterback or offensive coordinator could do anything to handle the blitz. Right. I mean, it was Jake Browning just getting inundated with Utah blitzes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Who, who do we got next? Uh, we got Stanford at 31. Oh, that's that's surprising. Okay. I know that's a fun one. Um, so Stanford's recruited pretty well. Uh, and they've, they've got a, it's not a, They've got a decent amount of returning production. It's not great. I mean, they lose most of their pass catchers. They've got a lot of the line coming back. Of course, they lose Bryce Love, but KJ Costello's back. Um, so Stanford, I mean, Stanford's offense was good last season. They were all pass all the time. Yeah. <laughs> it was um if you didn't watch a lot of Stanford last season, you missed out on Stanford uh running a lot of 11 personnel and airing it out. But most of those guys are gone. Uh, so Stanford is, it's, a. I I mean, I have some questions here. I mean, I, I think Costello can, they can hold up. He, he, he does kind of get happy feet under pressure. Um, and if he is looking for guys to get open this season, I think it could be trouble. I just, I have questions like, do they have, can they put it together with the offensive line blocking to get it going? And I know you have questions like, is anybody good that was behind Bryce Love? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was like they kept saying Cameron Scarlett or Cam. I think it's Cameron Scarlett. And I had been watching that guy for like three years. That guy does not have it. And, and he didn't. He really wasn't able to step forward. And again, though, I think a lot of that was on on the ability to run block. But with that said, yeah, OK, who's going to step forward now? And I have to go back and look at their recruiting. I haven't gotten to Stanford. Hithliday did a really good um uh, a podcast on our friends, the quack 12 podcast where he was interviewing a Stanford guy. And I'm like halfway through that right now. Um, and I haven't seen how they recruited at uh, their running back position in 2019. So hopefully they brought in a big stud, but I don't, I don't recall that. I'll have to go double check on that though. But like you, so you said they were 30, 30, what? 
31. Okay, I mean, like, I guess, is that mostly based on uh, on the fact that Costello's back? Because 31's almost, it's a little better than the mean. Right. I mean, it's, right, it's about, I mean, it's about power five average. Um, you know, I, I'd say, I'd say it's about fair given their talent level. I mean, Stanford's recruited pretty well versus the rest of the Pac-12. So, I mean, a lot of it's based on their recruiting. Yeah. And, and, and getting Costello back and, and the offensive line too, I guess you could say. So, yeah. Okay. I mean, like it's weird because losing Bryce Love did not hurt them that much returning production wise. Cause he had He's such so a bad, bad year. Last year. <laughs> like, like if you, if Bryce Love had left after, this, you know, the 2017 coming in, like Stanford's returning production would have cratered. I'm laughing because I was I, I watched every Stanford game just to watch him touch that ball. Every, like every time he got it, I d- jumped out of my seat because I thought he was going to blow by somebody. And this was two years ago. This last year. Yeah, it just just wasn't there. So that makes sense. I was actually going to make a joke about that. So <laughs> yeah. all right. Who's next? Number 33, the Pirate of the Palouse, Washington State. OK. Um, why uh, are they so low? So because they, they do lose Gardner Minshew and he's a big chunk of their, their production returning. Also, they just, I mean, Washington, I mean, Mike Leach finds guys that fit his system. They're not necessarily always guys that are the most highly recruited guys. Yeah. So, um, they suffer a little bit. I, like, this is something like that with the modified projection model I'm working off, like Washington state gets one of the biggest bumps on what you would think of as like the coaching coefficient. So um, it's something that I'm, I'm aware of like where the model might be overfit. Like if you want to see an excellent example of this, like go look at where the projection model has like the service academies because they recruit by the, by the recruiting rankings, they are terrible, but they actually often produce like army was a flat out good football team last year. So (laughs) I, I, it's something that I'm aware of and I'm trying to sort of like, mathematically correct for i probably need a few like maybe one or two more years of data i mean i might run out the modified projection model and make it the new champion projection model next year but <laughs> like washington state uh but again like you and i that 2017 washington state offense with luke falk was not good yeah um i mean that was a defense first team under alex grinch so it's I would argue, I mean, it's tough because you, you sort of think like, ah, oh, Mike Leach, like plug and play, like he'll just have somebody great. It was great last season with Gardner Minshew, but with a lot of the same cast of characters, it was not great the year before. So I don't know. I I think, I mean, I you could argue that this is too low. I really, I really like a lot of their returning production. They do lose Dillard, that left tackle that went in the first round. Yeah, that guy was a monster. Yeah. Um, I like Borgie as a pack catcher out of the out of the um, the backfield. And you really you, I mean, Gardner Minshew made his bread and butter on the check down last season. So uh, whomever QB to be named later. And he's got most you got most of the wide receivers back who are really good. And as you like to say, like Mike Leach is a socialist and distributes the ball around. So I I think this projection's fair ish like I but it's you could are like. I'd be, I guess I'd be surprised if they do like the full regression. Like I, I, I could see them finishing in the twenties pretty easily. Yeah. And, and the other guys that they have, the upperclassmen have been in the system a number of years. So if Gabru yeah. doesn't get in, at least we have somebody that, um, yeah. I, I would, if like, let's say he was my backup fantasy football quarterback. Like if we, you know, if we actually had all the starters, I wouldn't feel that bad about it. If Gabru went out, I'm like, okay, like maybe, maybe, you know, maybe I can get some, some decent points here. So, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, and Mike Leach used to cycle through those, you know, redshirt senior QBs in Lubbock all the time. Like, yeah. he really likes to have somebody that knows the system. Um, Minshew just came in sort of already with a lot of air raid pedigree from his some of his prior stops. So it really worked out. Um, I think it could work. I think it could work out again. You know, um, I probably have more questions about the defense. So okay, thirty six, the Arizona State Sun Devils, which is a oh. fascinating fascinating projection huh. well you know benjamin is is a man um i think their offensive line is is actually sneaky decent i don't think the depth is there and they you could tell because they've recruited like they've recruited yeah. like nine or ten players and seven seven of them are basically offensive linemen right now <laughs> like in yes. tempe um I like their offensive line coach. Dave Christensen's pretty good. And I liked Brandon Ayuk. I, I liked him a lot. He came on at the end of the year. I really think he's a fascinating talent. I think he's a Juco kid. I have to go back and look, but this might be his last year, but really came on, you know, when I th- and look, Nikhil Harry was looked amazing. I think he got around a thousand yards. I think he broke it, but at the end of the day, he faded in games. I mean, like, which is bizarre to say, cause he's one of the best wide receivers in the country. I, I guess I'm putting him on a higher level of expectation, but there were games where it's kind of like, Hmm, like I see, I see Harry right there. He's the largest person I've ever seen in my entire life playing that position. And he has five catches for like 45 yards. <laughs> I think that happened more than I would have liked to as a Pac-12 fan. Yeah. I mean, he was, he tended to fade in, in games. Um, the play calling, the ASU's play calling got a little predictable, uh, at points. I mean, like that Stanford game is a pretty good example. I mean, they, I, um, I, I, I do enjoy four verts, uh, but when it's almost <laughs> always your go-to play call, because you can get, I mean, you can get, they got Nikhil Harry in one-on-one coverage quite a bit when they ran four verts, but it was always just like a back shoulder turnaround throw from, from Manny. And I mean, it's, it just kind of got to be a little predictable. Like the corner, the corner knew it was coming. Right. Um, that's the, that's what's sort of tough. And like, they, they probably have, I mean, outside of UCLA, I would say like the shakiest QB situation in the conference. I mean, at least with UCLA, um, you know, Dorian Thompson Robinson saw some playing time last year. Maybe it wasn't great, but he saw the field. Um, ASU, it's, uh, you know, Dylan Sterling Cole and like three dudes that just got off the bus. <laughs> <laughs> now, one of them is, you know, highly, highly uh, touted. A couple of them are, but I'm with you. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, I mean, they've got some, they've got some talent. I mean, I like, I mean, I would, I would think that they're still going to be with Herm. They're still going to be kind of a power running team. Um, the offensive line was better at run blocking last season. I, I mean, I'm with you. I like the wide receivers, and ASU has had for a couple of years like some, some excellent skill position talent. Um, I mean, the real question is, is like last season they were sneaky good on offense, ranking number 29. Manny Wilkins had a pretty good year. You know, Benjamin had a pretty good year. You know, Nikhil Harry went in the first round. Uh, can they follow through without, you know, Manny Wilkins there throwing the ball? I think Manny Wilkins was a little underappreciated by a lot of people around the Pac-12. And if you watched a lot of the games last season, like Manny Wilkins took some shots. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, Cause it was basically like they were a power running team with some play action. And like, he often had to hang on to the ball waiting for somebody to go, but like he took some shots. Like it, it that kind of pressure, I don't know if these younger guys are going to handle as well. I, <laughs> yeah. I, 
I mean, I, I feel like ASU, like this is a pretty good average for you at ASU. Like I, I could see them doing a little better. I could see them doing a little worse. I guess I have, a, I, have, I mean, but there might be a little more downside than upside given, you know, given who they like the inexperience they have at QB. Yeah. And I know we talked about Ayuk, but there's, there's some other wide receivers in that core too. That oh yeah. That's pretty exciting. So that makes sense. I can see why they're right there, but I, I would assume that like, the model trying to gauge the quarterback is like dividing by zero. <laughs> just like, ah, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. It's just freezing up. Well, I don't do a specific, I mean, like I, I rely on, you know, Connolly's overall production number and I don't do a specific, like the FPI does like a QB specific one. I think that, I think it can lead you into weird places. Um, like the next team we'll talk about, like, so if you want to see the part where you're like, man, the FBI has some like crazy numbers, go look at their projection for UCLA because it's bananas. They have UCLA projected as like the number 21 team in the country next season. That's a little rough. That's a little rough. That's, I mean, last season, so last season, like I thought Cal would be better. Um, they finished it right about where beta rank projected them, like right around in the sixties. Um, Cal came into the, with the FPI last season. I think their projection was at like, 27 or something like there's always some crazy number in the FBI or many crazy numbers. But so UCLA gets credit for having like Dorian Thompson Robinson coming back in the FBI model. And I'm like, uh, I don't know. Uh, so they're at 39. A lot of that for UCLA and a lot of UCLA's projection is built off recruiting. Like UCLA recruits better than a lot of schools in the Pac-12. Does UCLA turn that talent into production on the field? No, they do not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> different um, coach now different coach though no it's true i mean there's and there's some things to like but this offense wasn't as good as people like people i think um give this offense a lot of pats on the back for how they finished last season ucla mostly played against bad defenses to finish last season so um let's not get too crazy ahead of ourselves like there's things that you like you like joshua kelly yeah. I, I was shocked at how well the offensive line gelled um but there's questions at wide receiver for this team. Um, and there's big questions at quarterback for this UCLA squad. Yeah, so, and Caleb Wilson's gone. And, I mean, he was their yeah. top pass catcher. He was a monster at tight end. But even then, 995 yards, four touchdowns. <laughs> he was their top catcher. <laughs> he was wildly underutilized. And he was viewed as a guy that I think, you know, heading into the season, a lot of people had pegged as like a potential first-round draft pick. I mean, after a, another year – he went undrafted. I mean, that was, that's crazy. I didn't realize that. Yeah. It's, I mean, th there were some questions about his overall fleetness of foot, I guess you could say, but I don't think he was really properly used the UCLA last season. I mean, I, and I don't know, like I'm like Chip Kelly has a lot more football bona fides than I do. However, like there was, I mean, even the way they used Thompson Robinson last season often didn't make sense to me. So I mean, if if they there's there is some talent. Thompson Robinson himself is a serious talent, you know, like if he if he's used properly and if he's, you know, committed to making it work. So they, his dad's they not some, yelling at everybody. His dad's not yelling at Chip Kelly on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, if you, if you took Thompson Robinson had him run the ball 10, 15 times a game. I mean, I was surprised that, how little they did that. That was, that was pretty crazy town. Oh, I know. I mean, and it was, it, it looked UCLA's offense last season looked more like late, late term pro chip Kelly offenses that sort of didn't work in the pros. Um, than like the 
Oregon offenses, right? I mean, it didn't look much like an Oregon offense at all, but um, it seemed weird because he seemed to have imported some of the stuff that didn't that didn't work from his time in the pros uh, back with him. So, but like I said, Chip Kelly's a smart person. Like I would, st- I would still bet on him rather than against him. I guess if you ask me. Yeah. You know, which <laughs> that's fine. I mean, uh, yeah, well, let's maybe move not on. we spent recruited. way more. We, uh, yeah. And frankly, we need to do an ad read for uh, what is possibly the most awkward ad read I have ever heard in my life. Are, are you ready for this? D- don't don't answer that question. <laughs> let's just do it. I'm Alex Rodriguez and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week you're here in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. So uh, then we get into like the, the next tier, I would say. Um, and this is, let's call it the bottom tier. It is the last four. Um, so number 55 is Arizona. Um, Arizona, biggest, big, probably the biggest, I mean, if you were to talk disappointments last season versus their projection, you would talk about the Washington offense. You would talk about the USC defense and you would talk about Arizona's offense. Right. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I mean, Arizona's offense, like much more of it was predicated on Khalil Tate's legs than I think people maybe thought coming into the season. So um, when he got hurt, like that was a, that really took the best weapon out of Arizona's bag. But um, I mean, he didn't run much in the BYU game. So it's, they, they return an okay amount of production. They lose basically every wide receiver. Yeah. <laughs> except Cedric Peterson. <laughs> it's Stanley um, Berryhill. Famed, famed walk-on Stanley Bayer. Yeah. <laughs> um, they, they, but they, they return most of the line. They return Khalil Tate. Uh, you, I like JJ Taylor has wildly outperformed. I mean, he had a great under the radar season last season. He made some All-American teams. Um, you know, like I, I think people are sort of underselling JJ Taylor coming into this season. And a good backup, Gary Brightwell. Did really yeah. well as a backup. Like, I don't know if he's going to be. I mean, you always say this about the second guy, right? Especially the guys that get 500 yards and maybe a couple touchdowns and average like five and a half yards a carry or five yards a carry. Can they be the guy? But he's certainly built like it. And to have him as your second option is pretty solid. So I think the run game will be good. Maybe maybe Tate decides to run a little bit more. And, and if he does that, I think this is where you see maybe a big difference between a projection and actuality with Arizona. Yeah. No, so I think this is Arizona's floor um, right around here at 55, right? Like, I don't don't think Arizona's offense is going to be a lot worse than this. Um, If Tate runs 10 times a game and the young wide receivers sort of develop and they've got a lot more size than they've had in the past, Rich Rod did not recruit size very well, Um, then Arizona could be dangerous. And Khalil Tate, if you are (laughs) – it's funny because I see a lot of, like, preseason – you know, sort of lists of like, you know, offensive player of the year candidates in the Pac-12. And like clearly Khalil Tate is not on those lists after the season he had last season. But if you want to make it, if you want to make a real dirty bet, that's one of the dark horse, right? Like, because there's no one like even if even if Justin Herbert takes a step forward, he's like a bit better than last year. Right. Like 
if Khalil Tate runs the ball at all, like that is a better weapon that didn't get used at all last season than literally anyone has. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, I'm gonna take a look at that. We'll take a look at some odds with Khalil Tate on. Uh, I don't know if they go as deep as where you can bet on, like you know, first team or yard leader for uh, a conference. But if there is one, I think you know it'd be interesting. I bet you Vegas is pretty smart, right? Like the odds are probably low, but not super low because I think I think they know as well. Like this guy can go bananas if if he decides to. Um, yeah, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. That's cool. Yeah, like and then you got the running game, the offensive line, yeah, like. I think Arizona fans are talking themselves into a uh, okay offensive line and that's fine. Now they do lose. They did lose their offensive line coach who was awesome and Joe Gilbert, but they bring in Kyle Devan, who is also a pretty heralded guy. So it'd be interesting to yeah. see if that unit glue uh, kind of glues together, but they do lose a, a, some starters and some depth. So if you get an injury on the Arizona offensive line, then I think the team's in, in pretty big trouble. And there are normally injuries on the offensive line. I think, so. they lost one, I think they only lost one starter. Like, I think that's where like the, if, that's sort of where their strength is like, but if there is a valid criticism um, actually on like where you might lose out on some run blocking is like Arizona's wide receivers last season, they may not have always been great at catching the football or running routes, but they were awesome at run blocking. Ah, uh, Yeah. Good point. Um, so at number 61, the, the red Baron himself, oh. Mr. Fro- Mr. Frozen pizza. Yes. My man, the full Montez. Tell me, tell me about Colorado. <laughs> Colorado. So, Colorado's got a decent amount coming back. Um, you know, they've they've recruited okay. I mean, Mike McIntyre didn't really crush it in recruiting. Um, they've got some decent transfers coming in this season. They've got a grad transfer at tight end. Um, but what really Auburn crushes too, their... So I've been a big yeah. guy, but not, not super productive while he was... I mean, in regards to yards and all that stuff, so... Yeah. But what crushes their projection, I mean, truly crushes their projection... Is that they sucked last season? <laughs> <This> Colorado <laughs> offense. I mean, it this did. Colorado yeah. offense was. I mean, you want to talk about like it? It was so funny watching them in Beta Rank because I was like, as, um, as the season because I I didn't have them projected very high and so like I took some crap from some Colorado fans early on, um, and it was funny because actually Beta Rank had Colorado higher than either S and P or FPI in their projections. So I was like, come on, I loved you more than everyone else. <laughs> um, but then as they hit sort of like the, like, I think, I think of it as like either that Washington game or that Stanford game where like everybody just sort of figured out Chivarini's play calling yeah, <laughs> and how limited it was. Um, and then they went in and Chenault got hurt against USC and that was pretty much it. And like, they finished out the season horribly. I mean, they went from being one of the top, you know, early on in the season, you know, they were one of the top, you know, 20 offenses in the country. They fall all the way down into the eighties. Um, so they, they really finished poorly. That said, Steven Montez is back. He's under, I mean, he's, he's, he's like Manny, like he's like this year's Manny Wilkins, like sort of underappreciated around the Pac-12, I think. Except on this podcast, except on this podcast. I mean, it's true. Well, I mean, since Gardner Minshew has moved on, like we need an official quarterback of the, you know, the the 12 pack podcast. Oh, absolutely. Um, But I mean, they didn't have a great running game. I, I have questions. I don't think the I don't think Jay Johnson was a great hired offensive coordinator. You know, I don't think his offenses at Minnesota or uh, I think it was Louisiana Lafayette were yeah. all that wonderful. Um, but you know, there's 
there's there's a lot for him to work with, and he might prove me wrong. Like I wasn't that high He's on there. Rob Likens at UASU. I don't know. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, like big question mark at running back, right? There's four guys, none of them have really seen the fields like, out, out, outside of like Alex Fontenot, uh, who had 11 rushes. You do have a freshman coming in like Jaron Mag- Mangum, who is uh, the number 14 back in the class. He had offers from like Alabama and a bunch of other teams like that. Uh, obviously, yeah. the Viscous Chenaults. You know, one of the things that was interesting though was. Um, our friends at the free bomb podcast had talked about the wide receivers and they, t- I sent them our full preview. Hey, here's our written preview of Colorado and our completely uncalled for pac 12 football magazine. And they said, this all looks great, but our wide receivers are going to be pretty good. And, yeah. um, and I think that it was, it was interesting cause he had mentioned LaVisca Chenault, but he'd also mentioned, I think it was Juwan Winfrey and Juwan Winfrey had, sense. yeah, he had some injury problems, um, and, and didn't really end up being, as productive, but he got drafted in the, in the NFL. So he certainly, the physical tools were there, but Chenault went nuts. Katie Nixon comes back, Troy Brown, and they have some guys in the wings that I think will be like, they really like this kid named Daniel Arias, who yeah. is like a six, four sophomore. So I think that there are, there is some stuff there, but I, that running game, I'm confused. And I don't so know I about that. Back on them. I mean, when we did the when we did the preview pod with free ball in last season, like they're like, no, because they were they were basically losing all of their wide receivers that had you know been pretty good the season before. And they're like, no, we'll be better. Like, and I'm like, I just I just want to push back because addition by subtraction does not always work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and they were right about Chenault. Uh, I don't think that they were necessarily like I, I think we were more right or I was more right about everybody else. Like they were all OK. Um, I, I, I don't know what the Broncos were thinking drafting Winfrey, frankly. I mean, he's got all the physical tools, but he just never put it together. Yeah. I think it was the injury stuff, right? Like, yeah, I I believe he was injured last year and that really hampered him. And I don't know. It'd be interesting if he stays healthy. Uh, I don't know if I'd be taking, I mean, you sign guys with injury problems to UD, you know, undrafted free agent, (laughs) but (laughs) this is, this is why I'm not a GM. Um, yeah, I mean, I I like, I mean, I, you know, you could talk me into Colorado having some upside just with the quarterback and Chenault because I don't, I don't think, I mean, Chenault, I think Chenault's the best wide receiver in the country. Um, so yeah, you could talk me into it, okay. but you can also you could also talk me into them like being exceedingly frustrating and having some like meh play calling again, and yeah. <laughs> well, but watch uh, out for the defense because Mel Tucker is a good coach. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll get to the defense later. Let's let's keep going. Okay, so number sixty-five, and this one's so interesting. I don't know. It's Is it the Oregon Cal State? Ba- oh, it's no, Cal. It's, oh my gosh. Okay. Cal. So Cal's recruited well enough that like the model is like, no, Cal, you're better than this. And Cal's like, no, we're not. Let's not be better. Than this. <laughs> no, no uh, not, absolutely not. <laughs> we're not. We suck. Um, so, yeah, the model is basically like, Cal, you've got a decent amount of returning production. You've recruited better than this. Like, you're not going to be terrible. Um, and Bo Baldwin's like, hey, hold my beer. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I expect Cal to be better. Like, they were like 122 last season in, in beta rank. Oh they were one of the very worst offenses in the country i believe they were the worst power five offense capped off by the cheese it bowl like never forget hashtag never forget the cheese it bowl i mean ross brass bowers was was kidnapped and held in a box under you know memorial stadium 
Um, we had to watch Brandon McIlwain attempt to play quarterback, which was hideous. And he basically gifted Arizona a game. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, but they, I mean, you're not high on him, but like, give me Devin Modster eventually this season. I think he'll play his way into the hearts of California fans. Um, and they've got, they've got some interesting ish pieces. I expect them to be better than 120. I think 65 is maybe their high point. Oh yeah. I mean, I don't even... If they get to 80, I'd be like, yay! You know, like the Muppets. Are, ah, right. Well, what's crazy is like if Cal just got to like 50 with where their defense projects, like they're a super interesting team in the North um, because there's nobody great this season in the Pac-12 projection wise. But hmm. I don't know. Okay. So at number 69, nice. Nice. Congratulations, Oregon State. Yeah, there they are. I was wondering. I think this is fascinating. I think that that might be the floor um, for, I agree. for Oregon State. I agree. I, I think Oregon State, I think this offense is almost like when um, Justin Wilcox and Tim DeRoyter took over Cal and they jumped from like the 120s to like 60 and then the next year they were at 14. Now, I don't think Oregon State's going to be like the number 14 offense in the country. So. No. Uh, that was a little bit of hyperbole there. <laughs> but, but 50? Uh, like, I oh, mean, I can see 45? this offense getting into the 40s. Yeah. Like that, I think Jonathan Smith is phenomenal. They are going to have um, Jamar Jefferson and then his – I forgot the guy's name. The guy that was the starter and got hurt in the horseshoe and then kind of uh, barely played the rest of the season the Pierce? is back as well. Yeah. So And, yeah, so they're going to have two solid backs. Um, Isaiah Hodges is awesome. That the, He's like a legit – like big power five wide receiver. I like him a yeah. lot. And, and then you have Jake Luton. You have Jake Luton. Yeah, they're going to be terrible again. Like this game, like this Oregon State team, I just encourage. Um, and I've had, I had some back and forth with some Washington fans today who were not fans of Jonathan Smith's days at Washington. And I would say like Washington's offense graded out a lot better than Jonathan Smith with Jonathan Smith running things and Oregon State's offense took a big jump with Smith running things. And like, you could tell just the level of competency um, and execution, like really went through the roof. So I'm, I'm excited for this. I, I think this is the floor. I think Oregon state's mostly upside off of this, you know, like, I don't know that the Beavers win a ton of football games, but you should watch at least one of them. The one footnote there would be the offensive line. I, I'd like to see what the depth is on that line. And I think like Oregon state is one of the last teams that will do a super deep dive into, but that's, that's the one question mark. I think the, the position, the skill players, I think we're in good, a good spot. The tight end, uh, I'm pretty sure they've recruited a couple of good tight ends there at, um, at Oregon state. And they're recruiting fairly well for, for Kervalis and for, you know, the lack of, um, you know, you don't have a big splash hire, but, uh, big enough where they're recruiting some decent, like high, high three star and four star kids there to play offense, which is pretty exciting if you're a Beaver fan. And they've got some guys coming in Juco for on the defense that can maybe help out right away. Now, I'm not saying that, like, I think most of those guys are coming in this next year. Uh, um, but yeah, I mean, give it, give it, a, give it a year. I, I mean, I like the, I like the Jonathan Smith hire. If he can figure out sort of anything on defense, he can probably get the Beavers back to respectability. Nice. Who's it? Is, are we at the end? That's the end. That's all 12. They're, they're last. Oregon they State? are. I know. But wow. like, it's because. It's because Cal is like recruited pretty well. I mean, Cal tends to recruit pretty well, but <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that was pretty good. Like, and uh, we're at an hour, so let's add that last question tomorrow when we do our 
interview? No, we're not. We're not doing the Washington preview with. Oh, what happens <laughs> what if, if Washington, Washington doesn't make it? <laughs> All right, let's run through not, this real fast. Then I am not. I am not doing. I, like we don't have. Like I don't. Like I said. Like I don't know that your iTunes rating can go negative. But let's not test the it. amount of poo, <laughs> the digital poop that would be thrown at us <laughs> from Washington fans. All right, yeah, let's do it now. That, that's a good. So we call. got a question. We got a question from uh, a friend of mine that does some statistics. Um, about like what's the wild scenario that like nine, none of like so there's sort of three teams that you would project to maybe be the top teams in the Pac-12 this season. There's Oregon, Washington, Utah, <laughs> and you can sort of put them in any order, right? Like they're 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 bunched pretty closely together in the projection models. So like what scenario do neither of those three teams make it to a New Year's Bowl? I think you have to have a good Cal that can move the ball. You're going to have to have Arizona's Khalil Tate really be a threat because Washington plays Arizona and I'm trying to think, I don't know if Oregon plays Arizona. I have to go and look, but that would be a ding and watch. So Washington's terrible when they go to the desert for whatever reason, that team does not play well. And the, our friends of the dog pod have well documented that well. So you have, you have a Washington go down, you know, inexplicably lose to Arizona. I'm trying to think, like, maybe Washington State takes a step forward. But who's going to – I think it's, like, I don't it's think, USC, right? Like, but, USC's got enough talent laying around, basically, you know, mostly wasted under Clay Helton. Like, is there is there anybody else that you would, like, put in a Pac-12 title game? And USC – you know, like if they could beat Utah, get by them, like the rest of the South isn't great. I just don't trust that team. I'm trying no, to think you, of it. <laughs> it's not UCLA. Maybe no. ASU. You know, like, okay, so here, here's an interesting scenario. <laughs> no, 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 no. Like, like hang with me for a moment. Jaden Daniels, Pac-12 champion. You have, you have a decent offensive line. You have a good wide receiving core. You have an excellent running back. And you have, I think, a defense that can make a step forward under a good defensive coordinator. That's enough. That defensive I mean, line has questions and depth problems. Yeah, but I, I do think that they have enough on that line to at least not be embarrassing. Where, like, I think the the floor for Arizona State's defensive line is not bad. I, I think, which is which is actually saying a lot for the fact that they've they lost like. Uh, Randall Wren or Randall Wren. They lost Wren. Uh, they lost a couple other people on that line. I do think that, I, I don't know. I, I, I've been doing the ASU um, preview and I was more impressed with the talent that they have in the wings. Plus you have like Merlin Robinson. Yeah. Oh, I think the linebackers are solid. Um, I mean, I would say like it's, for me, it's USC or Cal. Um, like Cal, if the offense manages to be, somewhere in the neighborhood like let's say that that's 60 like let's say they get past that into the like low 50s the defense is good enough that in a down pack 12 like you could see cal cause some turnovers if they manage their offensive turnovers like they could win some games and they could maybe make a run but the other one is like usc figures it out you know now do i think that that's possible no but is there anybody i mean i mean likely no but is there anybody else outside of, you know, the top three that has the talent just sitting around? It's not going to be USC. Well, I don't think it's going to be any of them. <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, really, it's like a three-team race this season. 
Um, I mean, you could you could talk me into Washington State, like if the offense is very very good again, and the defense takes a step forward. Okay, what if uh, what if it's like Stanford's defense made a significant step forward? They go to the two tight end set, and you have KJ Costello. And I mean, it's not like they haven't recruited well on the offensive line, so maybe it gels a little bit better. Although, I mean, that's a stretch, but. But who's the running? I mean, the running back really is a problem. <laughs> yeah, you could. I mean, Stanford's not a bad pick. I mean, like I just, man, like that would be I mean, because I think I think even if that projection for USC, like they could still go lose to Notre Dame by forty. Um, like Stanford, you know, like they've got a brutal non-conference. Like that could be awful for the Pac-12 if Stanford wins the wins the conference and manages to have like two non-conference losses. <laughs> Piece yourself together, Stanford. We need you. Um, we do like we need for national perception. There are like two teams. Well, there's three. Like if you count UCLA, like not getting totally hosed by Oklahoma, but um, national perception, we really need uh, Oregon and Stanford to really pull it together. Also USC against Notre Dame. Yeah. Um, let's, uh, Let's end that here. Uh, we're, we're at about an hour. Thanks for everybody for listening. This was kind of a last minute podcast, but we are going to dive back into our 12 part series with Washington, which will record tomorrow, which will be up in a few days. If you haven't listened to our Arizona preview and our USC preview, do so. Those were quite good. And with some people that really know their stuff, like that's one of the things that we're trying to do is not just get fans, but get, get like credentialed, legit people that really know their football. So uh, tune in, subscribe, 12 pack radio, um, new website, sharpcollegefootball.com. And Rob, where can people find you? I'm at uh, Beta Ring Football and uh, Sharp College Football. All right, all right. Well, thanks for tuning in, and we will catch you later in the week. your default answer when somebody said you know what what get, tell me a weakness what's your what's your weakness like your your turnaround into a strength <laughs> okay so i don't do the turnaround into a strength thing because i just feel like it's so tacky i mean it's it's such a it's such a how do i put it it's such a just a like rookie move right so so like it's, it's also not a great interview question i do interview people quite a bit in my job um if you are going to go do math at my company i am a gatekeeper pretty much and you have to get past me um but the uh i guess if i say like if people ask like what's your you know name a weakness or something along those lines it's that i once i've solved the problem in my head i can get a little bored with it um so like uh, I have to I have to sit down and uh, I, I, I it's often helpful for me to have um, like on big projects, like a project manager also working on it. So I'm honest about it. Like um, I only like pro- I only like problems until I've solved them. Really? That's why we don't talk about Oregon State football in this program. Basically, <laughs> we've already solved that problem. They are not good. I mean, like recruit defense. Uh, I mean, it's co- it's like a couple years away, so it's like a problem that you solve that you're like, well, we'll see. <laughs> uh, my mine always, and I'm bringing this back to the podcast because clearly from our reviews on the Twelve Pack Radio, uh, it clearly goes into my weaknesses where I always tell people like, I'm not for everybody, I'm just not for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I know my one thing and I'm going to do that well. I'm not for everybody. So uh, uh, clearly we are not for everybody.